Welcome to Presence Church's Sermon of the Week. We are so excited to share this powerful word with you. Well, the last uh, two weeks ago, Jesse started off a message about revival, and so we were going to kind of continue that theme. Last week, raise your hand if you were here last week, most of you. Um, it was packed last week. with uh, We had Chris Kildosher here. It was wild. I just remember after service, handful of people up here just getting touched by Jesus and feeling his presence. Um, but I kind of wanted to jump back in on this theme of revival, but when I was thinking about it, I just couldn't get out of my mind the idea of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of God. And I don't know. I just can't shake it. I thought about it for quite a while, and I just can't think of anything else. So, um, and I feel like it applies to revival because revival is about dead people coming alive. It's about th those in chains being set free. <laughs> It's about those who are depressed becoming happy. Notice there's a difference between depressed and sad. You know what I'm saying? Like mourning. Mourning is different than depressed. Wow. And um, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that his anointing breaks every yoke. First of all, some of you might be going, what the heck's an anointing? And some of you might be saying, what's a yoke? His anointing, anointing is about being smeared with oil all over you. That would be the term for anointing, and that would be symbolic of the Holy Spirit, right? And a yoke, I know a lot of us aren't farmers, but you basically you put it over an oxen maybe, and they would be pulling a load. But there's yokes that could be upon us that are burdens of things that we're carrying, that we're plowing, and things that actually aren't meant for our lives, where Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But to get his easy light yoke and burden, we need a miracle work of the Holy Spirit upon us that crushes and breaks it off of your back. Yay! You, your righteousness is supernatural. You praying for healing is supernatural. You encountering God is supernatural. It's all miraculous. If you don't understand the miraculous life, I don't know how you can be a Christian. This is Everything is miraculous in the Christian world. If it wasn't, it would just be you doing something. But once you bring God into it, it becomes supernatural. Yeah? Wow, I love that. But it's all by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so part of my heart today is kind of more, on some sense, it's, it's an experiential thing. But, but really, I just really want to lay down some basic teaching, doctrine, on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God, because I feel like there's some people, there's some people that come into churches like this and they go, what the heck is going on? And they don't understand, you don't, and then they don't even understand how actually normal this is. Like throughout the history of the world and even in the Christian church, the movement of the Holy Spirit and so I kind of want to lay that out. Is that cool? Are we, are we happy with this? So the, the verse we're going to read first, we're going to just go with this, is Acts chapter 1. Verse 8. 
This is Jesus talking. Uh, this is the last thing he says before he flew up into heaven. I always love to think about Jesus flying up into heaven and how wild that would be. Every time I read it or every time I even talk about it, I have to stop. Stop my whole sermon and contemplate it every time. I think I've done it a few times here. I just can't help myself. Jesus flew up into heaven. Isn't that fun? Anyways, he says this to him. This is the last thing he said. It's got to be pretty important, yeah? Like, how important? The last thing he says, and the dude flies up into heaven. There we go. Verse 8, but you shall receive power. Say power. power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the world. He says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, okay? Now let's pause for a second. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, this idea, by the way, this idea of the Holy Spirit coming on people is not new, okay? In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come on all kinds of people. The three main types of people you'd get are like prophets, priests, and kings, okay? But you also had randoms, You'd have people like in Exodus, this guy, Holy Ghost comes on him, and he's like a super artist. Actually, of them, and they designed, they actually carved supernaturally the angels in the temple. What's up, Tabor? Tabor made it. Um, they carved supernaturally. How do you know how to carve an angel? Well, the Holy Ghost came on him. I don't know. They had eyes to see maybe, and they carved these cherubim all throughout the thing, interlaced with, with uh, palm trees to symbolize this garden, that this temple is this garden. But the Holy Ghost came on them, and they did stuff. Some guys ran so fast they could run faster than chariots. Some guys had wisdom. They were able to know things about people, prophets like Elijah, and then you'd have like, you'd have these kings that wanted to fight them, and he would know what the dude said in his bathroom, basically, right? But the Holy Spirit would come on them, and it would give them power to do something. Does that make sense? Power to do something. And the three main things you get is a priest. So power, they'd be anointed as priests, but they'd have power, holy power to do the work of a priest, a prophet, holy power to do the work of a prophet, a king to have wisdom to lead people, to guide people, their families themselves first, their families, those around them, and for the ones that were actually kings, the nation, right? The Holy Spirit's on them, giving them wisdom. When they want to lean on their own strength, he's saying, uh-uh, don't do that. Checking their spirit, Okay? Well, Jesus, the Bible says, the Bible says that he would pour out his spirit in the last days. Upon your sons and your daughters, they shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even upon your servants and your maidservants, I will pour out my spirit. Indiscriminate, it doesn't matter. It is for every single person in the body of Christ. Okay? Now, what power do we get what anointing, the word is anointing when it goes on you. They used to take a flask of oil and then they would pour it. This is, well, not all of them, but some of them. They'd take an oil and they'd pour it all over someone, just let it drench on top of them. It's like, I hope you really see the image of how much of this goodness you got on you. How much of this power and the presence of God that he's on you to do something. 
that this is a marker. It's a marker for the people around you, and it's a marker for angels to know that when you say something in this realm, there's authority and power behind you, and things move. Isn't that crazy? There's this guy named Jesus. He's the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, through whom all things were made, and without him nothing was made that was made. God Almighty, the Word of God, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Come on. The King of glory became a man. And this guy, this guy, this son, this son got a special anointing. It was the anointing of the Son of God. The priest, the prophet, the king, (laughs) and all the in-between. Are you following? Came on him. Actually, he was 30 years old when it came on him. I don't know if you guys know this. This is a really interesting thought. I want you to think about this for a second. Did you know Jesus was born of the Spirit? The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. Mary was a virgin. I don't know if you know that, but Mary was a virgin. And Jesus was conceived supernaturally. Why? Because it was of the Spirit. He's the firstborn of all creation, the firstborn of the Spirit. Jesus was born of the Spirit. And yet when the dude was 30, I hope it's calling the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ dude is okay for you. When he was 30, <laughs> I don't know. When he was 30, John the Baptist baptized him in the water. And what happened? The Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove and came upon him And the Bible says that he began ministry after this. In fact, he goes out, he gets tempted, he comes back in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we see him doing miracles. We see him preaching the gospel about himself, (laughs) the kingdom, and what's available to people, telling them that he was going to die and in three days rise again, which was just going over their heads at that moment. Yet the Holy Spirit was on him and he's doing a powerful work to do something, and it was to be a witness about himself, right? But as Christians, we get an anointing, and the Bible says the anointing that we get is the anointing of Christ. Christ, by the way, means anointed one, but we get the anointing of the Son of God himself coming upon us to give us power. Power to do what? To be a witness Christianity is not just about pew-sitting, right? That's my most gentle way of saying that. It's not just about sitting in a church and listening to somebody talk to you. There is an active work in Christianity. The ministry was meant for everybody. In fact, preachers, teachers, leaders, apostles, prophets, whatever you want to call them, were meant for the equipping of the saints so that we all could do the work of ministry out there with our neighbors, with our loved ones, with, with the deans of our schools, with, with whoever. It doesn't matter. It's indiscriminate. With, with our children, with our spouses, that we would be filled with the Holy Ghost, empowered by Him, and awakened in every moment to be seeing differently than the world sees things. Okay, so in our world, in an evangelical world, you basically get saved... I mean, this is really basic, okay? You, you get saved, you get your golden ticket, and you're good to go. 
You know, Willy Wonka's factory is going to be there for you in the end. And you get to eat your chocolate then, by the way. You don't get it yet, but you get it when you get into the factory. And it's, it's, it'll happen. You guys follow with me? Anybody else? Okay. In the church, right here in the book of Acts, we'll start there. In the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit comes on them. They all start speaking in time. All the, all the apostles, disciples, we had the women with them, Mary, all of them. Holy Ghost comes on them. By the way, they already had the Holy Spirit. Oh. Jesus was born of the Spirit. Jesus had the Holy Spirit come on him, yeah? Okay, the same with these people in Acts chapter 2. You know that in John 20, 22, the Bible says Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Why did he breathe on them? Because he's the creator of the universe. And just like he breathed on Adam, he breathes on them and he says, come to life. It's a new birth. It's the image, that's the image of of. That's the image of your baptism. That's the image of your new creation. That's the image of you becoming revived. Revival. Holy Ghost coming in you. Living being. He breathed on them. That's your baptism. And yet, they've been through that experience with Jesus. And then Jesus says, I'm going away. And then the last words he says, chill out. I'm going to give you power to be my witnesses. There was something different. There was something separate. Are we still following? There was something separate. Now in this, it, they were saved. They had the Holy Ghost, yet there was, un, listen, the Jews that got the Holy Spirit on them, were they Jews before they got the Holy Spirit on them to be a king, a prophet, a priest? They had a sign of being Jewish. It was called circumcision. And the Bible relates circumcision to your baptism. You following? They... They would be Jews, and the Jews out of them would get anointed. We are Christians. You get your faith in Jesus. He saves you. You do an act that's uh, symbolic. I think there's a grace attached to it that blesses you, but the act is baptism. That's the image of your faith in Christ Jesus. And out of the Christians, he's meant it for all of them to baptize them in the Holy Ghost, to give them power to be witnesses. Isn't this fun? To an evangelical mind, for maybe a lot of you know all this stuff, and you're like, yes, 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 yes. Some of you might not, you're like, what is he talking about? Because to a common American evangelical mind, I'm talking common evangelical American mind, it's like, what the heck are you talking about? Let me give you more evidence. In the Bible, the Holy Spirit comes on them. They go out and they start preaching the gospel. People get saved, and they would do two things two things would happen. They'd baptize them in water, and then they would lay hands on them. And the Holy Spirit would come upon them, and most of the time they'd speak in tongues. One time we don't really know what they were doing, but, but it, they were doing something. Maybe they were prophesying, maybe they were speaking in tongues. It doesn't matter. But they would do two things. They'd baptize them, and then they'd lay their hands on them. In fact, in Acts chapter 19, they come up to a group of disciples who believe in Jesus, and they said, we haven't received the Holy Spirit yet. And they go, what? They're like, we don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. But yet they believe in Jesus. Isn't that wild? They go, that's not good enough. So the apostles come, they lay hands on them, they all start speaking in tongues. Now the church 
continued this practice. I don't know if, we, well, I know for a fact 99% of us don't know this because that's another thing about evangelical church and our culture is that we really don't know much about the history. So when I said, did you know, I'd sad to say it, but most of us don't know what I'm about to say. Well, the church was laying hands and what they ended up doing, the history is, <laughs> is that they couldn't get the apostles to go everywhere, lay hands on people. So they started dishing out oil and passing out oil to the church from the apostles so that when people would be baptized, they would anoint them with the oil so that they laid hands on them so that they would get filled with the Holy Ghost. And then if you read a bunch of early church fathers for 400 years, they're all saying the same thing. And then the Orthodox church still practices it from day one till now. Did you know that? Did, when they get baptized in the Orthodox church, they go in the water, they come up, and then they also take the anointing, they put that, and they call it a personal Pentecost for every believer. Then they anoint them. It's called chrismation, which means anointing. And then they seal them with the Holy Ghost. In the Catholic church, they do the same thing. They still call it chrismation, which is funny because it's a Greek word, but they're Latin. But yet they still call it that because it goes all the way back to the first days, and the anointing oil. And you know what they do, though? They, everybody gets baptized, and they do infant baptism, which is more, actually, it's more common than you probably think. But in an evangelical world, you know, in our world, infant baptism can be like, what's that? But I'm not going to talk about that right now. Anyways, they get baptized. It's like being circumcised, you know? Like, they're, they're Christian in their mind, just like a Jew baby that would be circumcised is a Jew. Are you following? Take off your theology hats for a second. Whether or not you agree with infant baptism, we'll go back to that. Anyways. But they're Christians. And then what they would do is, when they get a little older, they'd do a thing called confirmation. On the confirmation, they would learn a bunch of stuff about this, about the gospel. And then at the end of it, you know what they do? They do the, chrisma, they do the anointing, and they anoint them, and they'd seal them with the Holy Ghost. It's the symbol of a personal Pentecost, a baptism of the Holy Ghost. The difference between both of them is the Orthodox do it at baptism, and the Catholics let you go through a confirmation first to learn a few things, and then they send you out as witnesses, you know? Isn't that interesting? The Lutherans and the Anglicans kept doing it too, except they were kind of like, well, they kind of started to divide a bit, you know? So then they're like, well, you can if you want to. And then the evangelical church just left it all alone. And then there's a thing, <laughs> and then there's a thing called uh, revival. And in the early 1900s, you had a big one. Now, it was even before the 1900s, but whatever. In the 1900s, you have a revival. And, and, and it's actually, I want to focus on one. There's actually quite a few. You had the Welsh revival, different revivals. But the one, one, did you know that there was one local? We had Azusa Street revival. And out of that, you had the Assemblies of God and a lot of the Pentecostal movement. And then following that, you had a charismatic renewal that spread through a bunch of the denominations because the practices that they were doing have meaning. And they actually started to believe the practices they were already doing. And then you got Catholics speaking in tongues, Orthodox speaking in tongues, Lutherans speaking in tongues, Anglicans speaking in tongues, all kinds of stuff's going on. Are we following? By the way, none of this is new. There's people who went to preach to like, this is OG French language, but like they would go and they preach to people who don't know Jesus, barbarian kind of people. They speak in tongues and the whole like, nation would get saved. That's like part of the history of the church. How wild is that? We should see more of that. You know, why not? why not? Anyways, it got revived in the church. And we would call that the Pentecostal or the charismatic renewal. But in that, 
in that. It's not a new thing. It's not like, it's not like there's this saying called the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of God that happened in, in the book of Acts and in the church, and all of a sudden, it's quiet for 1,900 years until these wild Pentecostals come around. It's not a new concept. It's not a new thing. It's been happening the whole time. Hmm. I'm solidifying this in you because it should never, ever, ever be a weird thing to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the laying on of hands, seeing people speak in tongues. Shouldn't, that should not be a weird thing. It should not, the, what should be weird is that we even think that there's a big old gap from this to us. There's really not. The only gap there is is maybe our knowledge of history. But the same God has been doing these things for 2,000 years, and this is the work of his presence. But the anointing that comes on us, did you know that your identity, Jesus' identity was there before he was anointed by the Holy Spirit? Did you guys, do we know that, oh, follow with me for a second. When Jesus was born, Christmas, <laughs> when Jesus was born, there were shepherds, and these angels appear to the shepherds and they say, good news of great joy. Unto you today, a savior is born. His identity, his, his being a savior was there 30 years before the guy had an anointing on him to be a savior. Are you following? When you become a Christian, who you are is there. It is there. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are kings and priests to him. But Jesus, just because he was the savior of the world, he still received the Holy Ghost to come upon him to do ministry. And we actually need to do the same thing. There's a mindset sometimes that we go, well... The Bible says I'm this, and that's all I need. I'm totally good. The Bible said Jesus was the Savior. He still had the Holy Spirit come on him. And we go, I don't really care for that. That's more of like some Pentecostal charismatic experience. No, it's not. It's an Orthodox experience, a Catholic experience, an Anglican experience, a Lutheran experience, a Pentecostal experience, a charismatic experience. It might not be some non-denominational experience, but it is Christian experience. Are we following? I just want to like never doubt. Like it's so, it's so, it's so, actually there's multiple scriptures we could go through, but I just, that would just, I don't even know. Maybe another week. This is the heart of revival though. Revival isn't, revival is not our works. It's not people trying to be good kids for God. And then it's like, we got revival now because we're trying really hard. No, that's like the Mormon church. And I don't mean that too harshly. I just mean it truthfully. I don't, I'm not intending to be slanderous. I'm just intending to be truthful so that you can understand truth. That's what that is. You do, you do a good job. You get to a certain level of heaven. And it's by your works. Are you following? Uh, that's not what we are. We're Christians. And we believe the words of Jesus and, we, and we, we hold to the teachings of the apostles, right? 
Revival is not just us trying to be good kids. Revival is us getting touched by the living God and coming alive supernaturally. There's something powerful about it. It's, for some people, it does look like them laying on the floor crying for 20 minutes, getting whacked. You know? So be it if some people look like holy rollers. Let them. The Holy Spirit came upon the temple in the Old Testament and all the priests fell on the ground and couldn't stand for as long as it was there manifested. That shouldn't be a weird experience. That's normal. When I mean normal, I mean biblical. It's, it's not not biblical. Just because you have a certain experience that says I'm not used to it doesn't mean it's not biblical. It just means you're not used to it. And that's okay. That's okay. There's actually a lot of wild things. I mean, the sun stood still for like half a day. That's kind of weird. But I mean, the world like turned backwards almost for a few hours too one time. Isn't that? Wait, that's crazy, right? But anyways, God could do some wild stuff, but he wants to do wild stuff around us. I'm, I'm wanting to bring a little bit of theological understanding to concepts that we were hearing, especially last week. I think there was things about receiving the Holy Spirit, and these, these concepts were being thrown around, but I think that there's a place of grounding. That is ultimately revival. When you have people getting touched by the Holy Spirit, that's a form of revival. When, when we're going, man, I'm going through this thing, and Lord, where are you at? And all of a sudden, he touches you like, oh, you're right there. That's revival. You know? <sighs> Oil of joy for mourning. He changes your clothes. Some of you feel like you've been wearing dark stuff. He's put on a robe of righteousness around you. You're, you couldn't be glowing more white than you are in your faith in Jesus. The problem is we don't believe it, so we don't really. It's almost like living double-minded lives. There is a reality, and the reality is better than you think because his blood is stronger than you think, and it's better than anything you've ever done. You understand? But when you start to believe something and believe what he has for you, and you understand he's got, he actually wants to move in power through me. He wants to move in power through you. Now, that might look unique. It might look for some of you like in your businesses or in your workplaces, or some of you might be preachers and might be preaching. Some, some wild ones in here just love to go preaching on the streets and having fun. Let's go. But no matter what context we're in, the Holy Spirit wants to be invited in, and he wants to be a part of the work of the ministry to bring revival to bring life to dead things. It's not just about speaking in tongues. It's about knowing him, having eternal life, encountering the living God, where it's not just theory, and it's not just nice Bible doctrine. Yeah, where he's walking around in your midst, and you're like, OMG, literally, hello. And he's saying, hello. Come on. You're prophetic. When the Bible says the Holy Spirit come on them, it says they will all prophesy. I just want to say that into you. You are prophetic when the Holy Ghost comes on you. You will prophesy. Say this. Say, I'm prophetic. It's true. The Bible says, I wish you all prophesied. And I wish you all spoke in tongues. Those are two different verses. How fun is that? All right. Uh, there's no clock. I've, I have no idea what. Oh, we still got time. Um, 
Whoo. Let's do a little more experience here, guys. If Oh, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about. Something that was said, and then I heard, I heard someone ask me a question, too, and I felt like, wow, that's really simple and something we definitely should share. How do you know if you're saved? It has nothing to do with baptism of the Holy Ghost, but you definitely should know this. How do you know you're saved? Like, it should be so simple. It's not like you're confessing Jesus and then going, I don't know if I'm actually saved or not. Listen, guys, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. Okay. Can we just make it real simple? Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Now, if you believe in it in your heart, it ain't some false thing of like, oh, I believe in God, but oh, he gives me all this grace. Like, oh, heck yeah, I'm going to go to town doing wickedness because he's just going to forgive me in the end. You know, the Bible says that those who use the grace of God as a license for immorality are godless people. Okay, so we're not that. But if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we realize that we're people of love. How, how, how do you know that Christ abides in you? This is uh, John, 1 John. How do you know he abides in you? You love one another. So there's a confession, there's a belief, but then it gets worked out in growing in love. You might not always love everybody at all the right moments, but I'll tell you what, you got the Holy Ghost, he's going to be teaching you, you're going to get convicted, you'll be like, all right, I should have been. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have responded that way. I'm sorry. I'm a little grumpy. I didn't sleep that much last night, and I haven't eaten for five days. I'm sorry. <laughs> Some people said five minutes. There's varying degrees of this love. But how do you know you're saved? You're confessing Jesus, and you love him very much. Yes? yes. <laughs> the clock. Let's go, Jake. Helping a man out. Um, can I get, uh, who's on the keys today? Can I get Laura? Oh, nope, somebody else that plays the keys. That's anointed Holy Ghost. Please, please, come, come, come. come. Tiff, please. Tiff. Oh, Laura's coming. Sorry, Tiff. You know, there was an interesting quote that was last week, and it was, you know, if, if, if you're still, like, bound to sin, you probably need the Holy Ghost, you know? <laughs> if, if you're struggling, it's the anointing breaks every yoke. The anointing, the Holy Spirit upon you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this, the anointing of Jesus on you, that power to be his witness, this anointing breaks every yoke. Every yoke, no matter what you're going through, the presence of God is right here. He wants to crush every single yoke. If you had any, you might be living in light and easy yoke and burden, but we're not always preaching for ourselves. And there's all kinds of people that come in here. Some have never heard people speak in tongues, and they're in here. Some have never experienced a healing. I bet if you raise your hands, there'd be a handful you've never seen a miracle. A lot of you probably have. Yeah? <laughs> but it's real and it's an invitation ultimately not to do stuff for Jesus but to walk with him one of my favorite quotes that was from Jesus but in David's dream <laughs> not in the Bible um, but in David's dream David was fishing with Jesus 
at this lake and then he's thinking about their fishing and then Jesus says to him, Dave, it's not about how you, wait, it's not about how many fish you catch. It's about how you spend your time fishing. You know what I'm saying? That's Christianity. It's not about how many fish you catch, and I think that's so deep, but about how you spend your time fishing. Of course, God cares about the fish. Of course, God wants to bring people in. But what he's bringing them into is something he wants you as a fisherman to be engaging in, which is communion with him. So he wants you to bring fish in so they got communion with him while you're not having communion with him and just focus on fishing. You know what I'm saying? So I just want this to be maybe a, a moment of like, Jesus, I want your power on me. By the way, I don't know if you know this, <laughs> the Holy Spirit came on them in Acts 2, but in Acts 4, he came on them again. He filled them again. Two chapters later, it didn't take much time. And they're crying out and God fills them again. Yes, there's an initial baptism in the Holy Ghost. Yes, there's this place where he anoints you for your life. And you know, God, you're on me. But there's a place of you saying, Lord, would you fill me fresh? Him filling you does not mean he wasn't there and he's not fully present with you. Him filling you is a biblical concept that goes all the way back to the Old Testament and it means overflowing from the full capacity that he's in you. Him filling you means you're prophesying to people. Him filling you means you're running faster than a chariot. Him filling you means you're doing crazy artist work. Him filling you looks like an overflow, but he's with you. Yes? So when we're saying, fill me again, yes, you've got him. Yes, you're saved. Yes, you've got a new identity. But God has something for each of us to do all the time. The more important thing is being with him through that. But we still have things to do. But to get that done, we've got to come alive with him. We've got to literally recognize his presence with us, that he's so real and it's not just some rational thinking. You know? Wow. Put your hand on your heart. Father, I just, we thank you right now that we are vessels of revival. We are vessels that are alive. Lord, you've made these dead bones come to life. You've put an each person in here, I don't care what you felt like, your dead bones have come together, tendons, ligaments, flesh wrapped around it, he breathed in you and said, come to life. You are alive. No matter what feelings or whatever things going on, you're as alive as you could ever possibly be because it's not about your experience. It's about the reality of God in you, the hope of glory. Yes? You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are his priest. There is no more OG temple. You are the temple of God. And your ministry is first and foremost to him at his throne, to his feet, to his face, offering praise. We sang this morning, your eyes are like flames of fire. Your hair is white as wool. Your tongue is like a sword. You know, you're the body of Christ. That hair symbolizes you, made white as snow. The Bible says that gray hairs are the crown of a man. Do you know that you are the crown of God's glory upon him for making you white as snow? The Bible says he makes his ministers flames of fire. Do you know that you're the apple of his eye, that you're within him and he's made you a flame of fire? Oh my gosh. 
You are the minister of his word. His word is sharper than a two-edged sword. You are the person he speaks. And when he speaks through you, you are the sword of God that goes into the world and defeats the devil. <laughs> Come on. Uh, that's who you are. Okay. Mm. Can I get Jimmy up here, Jimmy? Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Where's Jimmy at? Jimmy here? Oh, there he is. And then um, Tabor, could you actually come up here? I wanted to do that. I, I remembered. Yeah, can you grab a guitar? Yeah, thanks, buddy. Um, so Tabor, I, I kind of wanted to pray over him, but I want it to be extended to anybody going through this. Um, we don't, obviously, in this church, if you've been around here, which most of you, I see all your faces. You've been around here for a long time. We're, we don't. We don't really go the political route. We're just talking the gospel, yeah? Um, but some people are literally having issues with their jobs because of vaccine stuff and different things. Um, Tabor's a, an actor, and then he's having issues with this whole thing, and it's, it's, it's actually sad in my opinion. But I've signed multiple religious exemptions, and people have different reasons. So if you, our churches, there's people that are vaccinated and people that are not, okay? That's okay. All right? We're, we're one family, being Christian is what's important, you know? But there's people going through real things. I'm not going to go into the details of maybe why Tabor's in his place, but this, there's an aspect of people going through stuff, yeah? And I want us to pray over him, but also if, if, if you're going through certain things, I know there's nurses, man, I signed Chris's thing. There's nurses in the house that are going through this. There's different people going through this, but I want to pray for supernatural just grace, over all of them, no matter what it looks like, that God walks them, fills them, gives them everything that they need, it supplies every need that they need, gives them the jobs that they need, everything. It's a real thing. These are real people. They're really going through stuff. Okay? Can we pray for that together? Irregardless of your political stances, it really doesn't matter. Mine doesn't matter right now. Kick it out the window. All that matters is we're Christians and we're together and we have people in our family that are literally having a hard time. That's not cool. Yeah? Okay, stretch your hands to Tabor. I love Tabor, bro. You're so awesome, buddy. <laughs> wow, Lord, we just thank you for Tabor. And if you're actually going through this, I want you to stand up too. Anybody else going through this? I know I've signed a few people's. There's a few more. Wow, look at this. Look at this. Anybody else? Okay, can we? Wow. Okay, I want, what I want us to do is if, you, if you're around somebody, can you stretch a hand towards them as well? Notice the people who are standing up. little bit of declaration. I want you to pray for them, and I'm just going to declare a few things. So, Father, I thank you that no political agenda will stop them from being provided for from your loving hand. There is, there is no choices of the government that is going to limit the bread that you give to your children. <laughs> Lord, we're the head and not the tail, no matter what's going on in the world. Lord, I thank you that you give bread to eat and seed for sowing to every single one of us. And if there's fears of what we're going to do in life, 
We kick those fears out right now in Jesus' name. Any fears or intimidation and feeling like I'm going to lose my job for anything, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Father, I pray you'd kick it out the window. I pray for crazy faith. I pray for crazy hope. I pray, God, that they feel alive in you, that they know that you've got their back. I thank you that you're going before them. You have plans to prosper them and not to harm them. God, I thank you that you are their dad and your plans and your wills for them are going to come to pass, and nobody can ever stop that. And even if there was any feeling of delay, Lord, we know that you're faithful. We know that you're faithful. So I pray that over them right now. I pray you'd release jobs. I pray you'd release increase. In the midst of a famine, I thank you that you send birds supernaturally to feed them. Lord, I thank you for increase in the midst of a wildness and their own personal wildness and their decisions. And we pray grace over them right now. And we tell them we love them and we honor them in their own decisions. We say we love you and you're not separate. And we bless you in Jesus' name. And all of you have different reasons. And we bless you right now in the name of Jesus. Yes? Wow. Amen. Amen. Let's, um, Jimmy's just going to lead us in a few songs. Can I get, you want to do something? Can I get the uh, prayer team up here as well? Um, and then what I want to do too is I was thinking about having, we also have Roger Gaskin in the house. How amazing is this? Um, I want to have um, maybe Jesse, maybe Penny, Penny um, uh, Melissa, what are the leaders? If, if you're on staff at all, I want you to come up here. If I don't know, I'm assuming most of you have the Holy Ghost and you got baptized in the Holy Spirit. But if there's one of you, it's worth it. If anybody feels like I didn't ever have that, no one ever laid hands on me and prayed that for me, just come up here and let us just pray over you and lay hands on you, yeah? And if you just want prayer and you want to get whacked, just come up here. Okay? Amen. I'm done. Hope you enjoyed this week's Sunday sermon. We pray you experience all God has for your life.